today, we have two significant anniversaries that we are celebrating as a church. The first is it was five years ago today that we moved into this building right here. Isn't that pretty cool? This has been such a great tool for ministry for us. Since that time, we have seen thousands of people who've been baptized. We've reached more people than ever before. But I want you to see the significance of it tangibly. And so I want you to do me a favor. If you have come to the crossing since we moved into this building right here, would you just stand up here for just a minute? That is so cool. Let's just give them a hand. You can have a seat. And here's, here's what I want you to know is that we built this place for you knowing that you would be coming here. And here's the second thing is today is our two-year anniversary for our Southeast Campus. And so we are so excited to have started that campus on the southeast part of town in the Henderson area to make an impact there. And so grateful for Aaron Hoffman and Mo Hoffman, their leadership, our staff and volunteers there. And so we are just celebrating you today. So excited for you. Love you guys at the southeast campus. Let's just give them a big hand as well. Well, if you're a sports fan, then you know what GOAT stands for. It stands for greatest of all time. And you saw some of these images that we got to vote on, but whenever this debate comes up, you know, it's usually this basketball debate. You know, who is greater? Is it Michael Jordan or is it LeBron James? Now, I don't know if this is a generational thing or not. I grew up watching Michael Jordan play. You know, I wanted to be like Mike. I got to see him play in Chicago once, but LeBron James, he's made this a real argument. In football, when we talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, names come up like Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and Joe Montana, but they always compare them to one guy, Tom Brady. And here's what's interesting about Tom Brady is nobody thought that he would be that good. He was actually drafted 199th in the 2000 draft. But like him or not, he is arguably the greatest of all time. He just won his sixth Super Bowl championship, which is amazing. Now, the Super Bowl was the worst of all time. <laughs> but he may be the greatest of all time. Well, today we're starting this brand new series called GOATS the greatest of all time. And this series is based on the New Testament book of Hebrews. And here's the theme of Hebrews. We're going to talk about this over and over, is that Jesus is greater, so don't give up. That Jesus is greater. And the writer of Hebrews is going to take us through that, that Jesus is greater than the angels, that he is greater than Moses, that he is greater than Joshua, that he's greater than the Jewish law, that he's greater than the old covenant. He is greater than every religious leader before him or after him. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews is in the back of your Bibles. Of course, I'll have the scriptures up here, and you can always find all of our scriptures, all of our main points on our app as well. But let me just give you a little bit of background to help you understand where we're going. When we talk about the New Testament, we refer to them as books, but they're really not books. They're actually letters. The apostles wrote letters to the local churches to encourage them and tell them how a follower of Christ should live. Well, Hebrews is a different kind of letter. First off, we don't know who wrote it. There are some ideas that we have of who might have written it, but we really don't know. 
But it's like the first podcast. Hebrews is really a sermon that was written down, and then it was mailed to a local church near Rome. And it was written to Jewish Christians. These were, these were people who grew up Jewish. They practiced the Old Testament Jewish religious practices and system. They practiced the Passover, the Sabbath, sacrifices. But after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, there was this church that began to emerge out of Rome, and people were starting to flock to it and giving their lives to Jesus. Well, now their life has become very difficult because now these Christians are being persecuted. There's a friend of mine in Japan by the name of Yuki, and Yuki became a Christian a few years ago. This is a picture with me and Yuki in downtown Osaka. And Yuki is a professional drummer. And somebody invited him to church. It's the church that, that we helped start Mustard Seed Christian Church. And he came and he was so impacted by the fact that Jesus would die for his sins that he gave his life to Christ. But to become a follower of Jesus meant that his family would disown him. And he would lose many of the jobs that he would have gotten before he became a follower of Jesus. Some of you know what this is like. Some of you, you've been baptized and you went home and your family either rejected you or they just looked at you like you joined some kind of a cult or you just did something foolish. Well, what was happening in this church in the book of Hebrews is their lives were becoming very difficult. Their culture was persecuting them. Nero is now the emperor of Rome and he made sport out of torturing and killing Christians. And so they're starting to look over their shoulders saying, you know what, the religion that we grew up with, it was pretty good because no one was trying to kill us. Well, here's this thing about Roman and Greek culture is they respected ancient things. And Judaism is this ancient religion that existed before the Roman Empire. So if they go back to their old religion, to their old ways, they won't be persecuted. They won't lose their jobs. They won't lose their homes. They won't lose their families. They won't lose their lives. Here's where some of you are. When you became a Christian, your life got difficult. Because to become a follower of Jesus meant that you needed to make some changes in your life. And it is harder than you ever thought that it would be. And if the truth be told, maybe you've never told anybody this before, you are thinking about giving up. And you are thinking about reverting back to your old life, just going back to the way it was before. Well, the writer of Hebrews is going to speak right to you and right to me. And he's going to tell us why we shouldn't give up. Well, we're going to just start off first verse of chapter 1 of Hebrews. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times, and in various ways. Think about all the ways that God spoke to his people in the Old Testament. God revealed himself in dreams. God appeared in a burning bush. He delivered messages through angels. He wrote on walls. He even spoke through the mouth of a donkey. Every time I think of that story, I mean, I just envision this voice of Eddie Murphy in Shrek. <laughs> that God God spoke to the prophets, spoke through the prophets at many times and in various ways. My wife sometimes likes to build these thousand-piece puzzles. 
She'll just get it out and she'll put it on the dining room table and whoever comes by can just kind of help. But if you, if you build a puzzle, you start with the outside edge and then you begin to put the pieces into place until the picture starts coming together. Well, the Old Testament, God revealed himself one piece at a time. And you start getting the picture, but it's when Jesus shows up that God revealed the complete picture of who he is. Goes on, it says, but in this last in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. That the entire Old Testament, it is building up to the coming of Jesus. That's what the entire Old Testament was doing. And Jesus was the heir of all things. An heir is one who inherits everything. It all belongs to them. All glory and all honor and all power belongs to him. And then it says, and through whom, talking about Jesus, and through whom also he made the universe. Now we're learning more and more about the universe every single day. In 1990, NASA launched the Hubble telescope to capture images in deep space. And we are seeing galaxies that we have never seen before. This picture right here is a picture of the spiral galaxy. NASA actually released this at the end of 2018. And this galaxy, they tell us, is so far away that the light that you are seeing left those stars before dinosaurs were extinct. Now, this is an estimated one of 200 billion, with a B, galaxies. This is one of an estimated 200 billion galaxies. Here's what he's saying. From the beginning to the end, it all belongs to Jesus. From the beginning of the universe to the end of all times, it is all about Jesus. Verse 3, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, there's a lot of times where we just want to know, what is God like? You know, what is God like? If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what kind of value God placed on you, you look at the way that Jesus valued people. If you want to know where God is when you are suffering, then you look at the way that Jesus cared for people who were suffering. Jesus is the exact representation of God. It says, after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, when do you sit down? You sit down when there is nothing else to do, when you have completed your task. For the Jewish people, for centuries, they sacrificed for their sins year after year after year. They just pushed back their sins for another year because the task was never completed. When Jesus came, he offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all, and then he sat down. It was finished. The point is, is Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He accomplished everything and then sat down. And so what this Hebrew writer is telling us, don't go back to the way it was before. Don't go back to your old life. Jesus is greater than 
all of these other things. And now he's going to begin to explain to us how Jesus is superior to the angels. He says, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And then skipping down a few verses, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for my feet? Well, the answer to that question, to which of these angels, is none. God never said this about any other angel at all. God never said this about any angel to ever come along. Verses 4 through 14 of chapter 1, the writer actually lists the ways that Jesus is superior to the angels. Now, here's what's going on. That there was some sort of angel worship going on in this local church and in this community. There was this false teaching that the angels were above Jesus. Now, you remember that scripture in Genesis 1 where it says, let us make man in our own image. They thought that was the angels, that God was asking permission of the angels to create man. And the angels were mentioned, obviously, in the Bible before Jesus was. So they must have come before him, so they must be over him, so they are worshiping angels. Now, the Bible says a lot about angels. I could give you an entire message on that. Maybe someday I will. But here's the bottom line. They're just messengers of God, but they're not God. Angels were not made to be worshipped. Angels were created to worship Jesus. Now, my guess is, is that worshiping angels is not your issue. You may have a lot of other issues. This just isn't one of them. Even in our culture right now, I mean, we make TV shows about angels, and, you know, we have a baseball team named the Angels, but by and large, you know, we don't have a, a big issue with angels. But let me tell you what we do. For us, in our society, we have this attraction to spiritual things. That these spiritual things that people begin to flock to. You remember it was a few years ago, there was a book that was all the rage. It sold millions of copies, became a bestseller called The Secret. And it talked about the law of attraction. That if you have happy thoughts, then you will attract happy things to your life. If you have negative thoughts, then you will attract negative things in your life. And now I am quoting, you are the master of the universe. Just tell the universe what you want. See, that may sound spiritual, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. It seems like every year something else comes along. There is some celebrity that's promoting some spiritual type of thing, and it just it seems spiritual, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. And this is a warning to us. And the writer is going to tell us why that is. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. He is giving a warning. He's giving a warning to us. He's saying, don't drift from what you know is true. See, there's a drift factor in all of us. All of us tend to drift. I was reading this book this week called uh, Mission Drift, and it was talking about all of these organizations that drifted from their mission, from their, their core purpose of why they were created. So I thought I would just give you a little quiz. 
Okay, so I'm just going to let you guess these. And so here's this first quiz. I want you to guess what school that this was their mission statement. To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. Is it A, Wheaton College? Is it B, Liberty University? Or is it C, Harvard University? So let's do a little poll here. How many would say that's A, it's Wheaton College, great Christian university outside of um, Chicago? How about Liberty University? Okay, some of you. Um, now how about Harvard? I would say Harvard. Okay, the correct answer is Harvard. This was the mission statement for Harvard. And what was interesting is it was 80 years after Harvard was created, there was a group of pastors who felt like Harvard had drifted from their mission. And so they started a new school of Christian higher education, and they called it Yale. So that just begins to tell you just this drift factor. Okay, how about this organization right here? This is a church-sponsored charity, that the church sponsored a charity to help the poor. Now, they were helping the poor put food on their tables because the poor were being taken advantage of by loan sharks, that these loan sharks were stealing their money. And so the church sponsored this charity to help the poor put food on their table. Is it A, the United Way, B, Salvation Army, or C, pawn shops? Okay? So A, how many would say it's A, the United Way? How many say B, Salvation Army? Okay, how many say it's C, pawn shops? The actual answer is pawn shops. This is why pawn shops were originally created. They were a charity sponsored by the church to help poor families put food on their table without getting ripped off by loan sharks. Okay, here's the last one. Here's the last one. The YMCA was originally created to, A, to be a safe environment for kids to get off of the street, B, to improve the spiritual condition of young men, C, to provide physical fitness for those who couldn't afford it. Okay, so how many would say it's A, in a safe environment? How many would say it's A? Okay. A few of you, how many would say it is B? All right. How many say it is C, to provide a safe environment to get off? Okay, the actual answer is it's B. It is B. It was, it was to provide this environment, this spiritual condition, because YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association. And in fact, in the early 1900s, the YMCA either directly or indirectly commissioned 20,000 missionaries to send them out into the mission field. Now, my point is not that you shouldn't go to the Y. That's not my point. My point is not that you shouldn't go to Harvard. If you get into Harvard, you probably ought to go to Harvard. My point is that there is a drift factor in all of us. All of those organizations drifted from their core purposes. And if we are not careful, we will drift from God's purpose for our life and what God has for you. See, here's the thing about drift. It is slow, it is incremental, and it is unintentional. See, it doesn't happen all at once. It's just slow. You don't even see it happening because it's just this incremental shift and it's unintentional. Nobody plans to drift. Nobody plans it. This is what happens in a marriage. That no one goes to the altar and says, I think I'm going to get divorced in a couple years. No one ever plans that. No one says, I think I'm going to stop loving my wife today. It just happens. It happens slowly. It's just incremental. It is 
unintentional, this drift. Well, here's this truth. This truth is that you can't drift away from something without drifting toward something else. You cannot drift away from something without drifting toward something else. This is why some of you need to stop texting and driving. Because you drift out of your lane. I mean, you can see people do this. They're in front of you and they just start going. You're going, oh, they're texting. You know, stop texting and get back on this. Whatever becomes your focus determines your direction. Something got your attention. You started paying attention to something else and you start drifting away from God's word. You started paying attention to something else and you started drifting away from God's purpose and his direction for your life. And when that happens, you will face some consequences. One of the consequences is you will look back and you'll go, I wasted those years. Those are wasted years. One of the consequences is is there's just guilt and shame that goes along with those decisions. That there are consequences to those who drift. Whatever becomes your focus determines your direction. Well, the same principle that got us off course can help you get back on course. Let me just read this scripture for you again, but I highlighted some different words here. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. See, the key to not drifting is to pay attention. It's to wake up. It's to pay attention again. What you focus your attention on is where you go. So pay attention. Well, I want to just get real practical. And I want to talk about three drifts we must pay attention to. And maybe you'll find yourself in one of these. Maybe it's just one of those things that you didn't intend for this to happen, but it has slowly happened in your life. Here is this first drift right here. It's the drift towards what feels spiritual instead of Jesus. That you kind of find yourself chasing after spiritual things, but it really has nothing to do with Jesus. See, here's what I mean by that. The Jewish Christians in the book of Hebrews, they were worshiping angels. They were worshiping angels. Somehow they drifted from Jesus to angels because it felt more spiritual to them. See, this is why false religions are thriving is they just feel spiritual. Because everybody here, everybody has this spiritual void that you will fill with something. And if you don't fill it with Jesus, you will fill it with something else. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be spiritual, okay? That's not what I'm saying here. That when you understand the Christian life, everything is spiritual. When you understand this, that that work life is and home life is and church life is, that everything is spiritual because it's an extension of your spiritual life. What I'm saying is that it's all about Jesus, that you base your life on the Word of God, that you begin to say, what does God's Word say? And that becomes your focus that you go after. Jesus did not come to be your personal assistant. Jesus came to be your personal Savior. So you pay attention to spiritual drift. Here's the second one. It's the drift towards our old life when things get hard. For the Israelites, this was their pattern. 
that when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, they were free for the first time after 400 years of slavery. And they had not left Egypt but just a few days, and they want to go back. Things get hard, and they go, you remember how great it was in Egypt? You know, we just want to go back there. Well, they were slaves there. They completely forgot it happened so quickly. When things got hard, they wanted to go back. These Christians who are living near Rome that the writer of Hebrews is talking to, they're going back to their old life. Because in their old life, when they were Jewish, nobody was threatening their lives. And now they're facing persecution and death for being a follower of Jesus. And they're ready to go back. See, this is just human nature. This is just human nature. For some of you, if you begin to think about it, you can remember the life that God rescued you from. That when you gave your life to Christ, God rescued you from this old life, and you remember the hope of this new life in this new direction. But what you thought is you thought, it's just going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be so easy. You didn't realize the hard changes that you were going to have to make in your life. Harder than you ever thought it would be. You didn't realize that there would be people in your life who do not understand the decisions you make and the choices you make. And so you have been drifting back towards your old life and the old patterns of your life. It's time to pay attention. It is time to pay attention and to get back on course. Here's this third drift, and I really didn't know how to word it, so I just worded it like this, the drift towards distraction. This one right here, this is for those of us who you're like me, that you've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years, maybe your entire life. That for, for you, for you, it's not that you're going to go back to your old life because there really wasn't an old life. I grew up in a Christian home. I, I've always known Christ. And you're not drifting away from Jesus. You know that your hope is in Jesus but for you, you're distracted. You're distracted. Maybe going to church used to be a priority, and now it's just hit or miss whenever it's convenient for you. Maybe you used to engage in the Bible on a weekly basis, and now you can't even remember the last time you read your Bible. Maybe being in a small group was something that you valued, and now it's been a long time since you've been in relationship with other believers who just encourage you in your life. And your drifting is just caused by distraction. You've just gotten busy. It's time to pay attention. It's time to pay attention. See, the question for us is not, is Jesus greater than the angels? The question for us is, is Jesus greater than that thing that you would exalt above him? Is Jesus greater than your anxiety? Is Jesus greater than the worries in your life right now? Is Jesus greater than the circumstances that you're facing right now? And it just seems hard. Is Jesus greater? Pay attention. So that you don't drift away, it's time to come back. It's time to get back on course again. It's a few chapters later that the author of Hebrews he gives us this encouragement. He says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, because what happens when you drift is you begin to take your eyes off of Jesus. You're fixing your eyes on him, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You want to know what the joy set before him was? It was you. That you were the joy set before him. He endured the cross for you. Scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. The one who has done all this for you. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So you will not grow weary and lose heart. Some of you are tired. You're so tired. You feel like giving up. It's just saying, come back. Pay attention. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who began your faith. And he will perfect your faith. So I want to pray with you. But maybe, maybe this prayer is you just being honest with yourself and going, you know what? I have drifted. I have drifted from what I once was. I have drifted from what I want to be. And it's time for me just to get back. Fix my eyes on Jesus again. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this incredible letter that was written to the church 2,000 years ago that still speaks to us today. God, the truth is we are drifters. We tend to drift. We tend to get off course. God, today we are acknowledging we're coming back. We're paying attention. We're putting our eyes on Jesus again. So God, we just surrender to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.